Hello, welcome back to the Pelicast. I'm your host Jordan, a wild Gorshan, and today we have a very special guest. Her name is Elisha, hailing from all over the world, it sounds like, <clears throat> which we'll get into. But uh, she is a very talented musician. Uh, she's an innovator, really. Uh, she, her music is actually incredible, and then when you dig into her YouTube channel and her website, you'll see how just insightful she is and creative. And as we'll dig in, she has a new album EP coming out called Crypto Waves, The Orphan Block. And uh, from what I understand, we'll talk about it, most of the sound waves are all synthesized from the prices of Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, and Uniswap, which is pretty fun. So uh, without further ado, welcome. Thank you. It's super good to be here. And I love connecting always with this community. There's there's always new projects. And it was really cool when you contacted me to hear about what you all were doing, because everyone seems to have 
their own take on artist freedom and decentralization. And I, I kind of just love seeing all the ways it mixes up. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like a crazy, and it's, to me, it's kind of like a crazy dichotomy right now because it feels like the powers that be in the world are just trying to like clamp down further in every possible realm, including like financial uh, anything, which whether we go into music from cryptocurrency or videos, media, whatever it is, like kind of at the base, there's kind of this financial element. But then meanwhile, it's like the 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 gates have opened and the flood has begun and there's just so much innovation that just like can't be stopped. Right. So it's 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 funny because like my days are spent in between seeing seeing what's happened in the political realm. I'm a North American. I'm American. So we run a cryptocurrency project, so it's important to know what's happening with regulations. Yeah, the same. So then I see that stuff in the news or Bloomberg or whatever, and then you go into crypto Twitter, and it's just insane the amount of innovation going on and creative stuff. So we appreciate you bridging these worlds of music and crypto together. Thanks. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're both great worlds. I'm really fascinated with them both, and I really like overlapping them. How long have you been interested in cryptocurrencies? Well, you know, I've been on the peripheries of it for years because um, back in the day, I used to help with bulletin board systems, you know, pre-internet. And a lot of my friends were into hacking and into sort of different digital technologies. And so I definitely first heard about Bitcoin in you know, 2009, but I never, you know, I was kind of a broke musician. I didn't really feel like I had any resources to invest or, and, you know, the financial world in general has always been very scary to me because as an artist, it was like, oh, I need a loan. Well, good luck. Get your mommy or daddy to co-sign because you don't have pay stubs. So you're blocked from this system. So it was always just kind of a little bit of a, oh, it's kind of like stocks and I don't really know that stuff. And, you know, um, to be honest, the thing that got me the most involved with crypto is actually the audience platform. Um, I was kind of an early adopter. A friend of mine started working with them and said, you know, this is a great new opportunity and they're working on the blockchain. And I was just kind of starting to wrap my head around it. And after uploading a bunch of tracks, they gave a lot of their early adopters pretty generous airdrop. And I sort of took that as, you know what, this is a gift for me to sort of learn more and experiment and finally play around in this sphere. And so it's, I guess it's been about a year and a bit more now that I've just sort of taken it and really experimented because I'm kind of just a teacher by default. I really love to share knowledge and I think that you learn it better when you have to teach it. So along the way, I've just been kind of trying out every technology in DeFi and learning how to explain it to others and kind of just seeing its potential as an artist who does not, does not need a co-signer to enter this world. <laughs> and actually get out there, rather. Right. Mm -hmm. So is teaching your day job? Well, it's hard to say. I have a, a lot of different hats going on right now because um, up until... 2019, I was just a touring artist. That's what I've done, you know, full time since the beginning until now. And I needed a break from the road, to be honest. And it was just really nice timing that I got offered a temporary contract teaching music production and sound design at Berkeley in Valencia. And I thought, wow, a year in Spain sounds great. And with, you know, all the stuff that's happened to all of us, I realized why well, I really appreciate being here. It's quite beautiful. And now I'm just, you know, making music, working on some other projects and still really releasing and then, you know, teaching people how to perform, produce and make their own sounds, which is pretty fun. I mean, it's it's a lot of time, but it's everything fuels the rest, I think. 
From what I've seen of your work, I don't I don't use Instagram lately, but I see that you post some things kind of like hybrid Instagram content you, to YouTube and to your website. But from what I can tell, you're someone that really thrives in life creatively, that you don't stop. <laughs> that's that's pretty true. I kind of just I have a lot of ideas and I'm a doer. So if I think of something funny, I'm the one who will run down to the thrift shop, you know, in the middle of the next morning to get the right outfit to, to carry off the joke. And I just I really enjoy creating and also helping others to create. So I think being an artist and also teaching a little bit lets me enjoy both sides of that coin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the primary intentions of why we started Pele Network is because I think creativity is kind of inherent, an inherent quality in humans, but our society as we know it, just kind of the programming of living in our world today, many of us don't have a chance to express it or even explore it or even realize how important it is. So our Pele portal, as we call it, is a platform for finding creative support, collaboration, being able to just put out an idea and then attracting a team. And where cryptocurrency comes in is, you know, we can, you know, reward everyone, right? And where DeFi comes in is that everyone can cash out for their contributions. And it, it we want to create a little micro economy of people working together, collaborating based off of, uh, well, it's not even really based off of cryptocurrency. It's based off the true human spirit of just making things. Sure, sure. And then just the, the permissionless and the trustless aspect to me is just nice because honestly, I love artists and but there's music industry, just evil people. And there's also slackers. And I don't know which one is worse, but essentially, sometimes it can take years for your catalog to get entered properly or get paid. So I think as an artist, one of the things I'm more interested in as well is just sort of the immediacy of, okay, we've got the smart contract, we've got the, the project set up, boom, now it's active and the stuff is just automatically going to work out. You don't have to wait for somebody to reconcile for boom. you. Royalties forever every time your your NFT is transferred, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that industry is going to be, I think 2022, we're really going to see a lot of innovation there. Like we have some ideas for what we're doing. For example, like we'll sell our little character NFTs and then you can inject them into our sci-fi cartoon we're working on. So everyone has a say in the episode and then we can kind of work with producers and script writers to make it something digestible for the for the market, so to speak, for, for the demographics. But uh, as far as music goes, it's uh, it's an interesting topic. It's one I think about a lot because I'm a musician. You know, I have an album I've been working on that, you know, I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to my music because I wear a lot of hats also. But music is probably my closest to my heart. It's who I am. It's how I find solace in times of stress and in times of anxiety or whatever it might be. Uh, but, you know, when we talk about putting tracks together or an album and then putting it out there in some way, like, do you sell it as an NFT? Do you do it play by play? One thing that I've recently uh, got into, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sphinx Chat. No, I haven't. It's fascinating, really. And this uh, this goes on to Sphinx Chat. We have a channel. But basically, it's powered by Lightning Network. And it's just chat. And every chat, you have to pay some Satoshis to send a message. And depending on the room, maybe the chat owner will pay the Satoshis, but then you might have to pay a few hundred Satoshis to enter the room to join it. But anyway, you can import an RSS feed. You can, you can attach a podcast feed to your room, and then huh. people can listen and set an amount of Satoshis they want to tip you for every minute they listen. 
So you could put on your album and then people say, I'm going to send, I'm going to send Alicia a hundred sats per, per minute. And then you have a 20 minute album and you just got what? 20,000. Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind because it's like a lot of people are hyped about NFTs right now, but that's like the tip of the iceberg because all these systems that can be created for, you know, to give other people motivation to promote your stuff because they have an interest in it and all these new, it's really wild. And I just like that kind of anyone can create it. You know, I see in the news, it's like 12 year old makes new DeFi system of this, this and that and (laughs) handles millions of dollars and just, okay, awesome. This is the future. Now you you release sample packs. I didn't know that until yesterday. I should have assumed it because all your videos show you doing really cool stuff uh, with <laughs> with synthesizers and whatnot. But you release sample packs. You sell them. Have you thought about NFTizing those, tokenizing them? Yeah, that's um, that's definitely sort of level two. You know, the first phase for me was just creating an art project and seeing how that was received. And now that I'm sort of learning about all the different systems, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, a sample pack could be something cool. And at the same time, it's it's weird. It's like, would I make the NFT, the sample pack, and only let a few ha- have it? Or would I give people shares sort of in, in tokenizable form to profit from the sample pack? There's just so many ways that you could go right. with that. You know, uh, that's I, it's mind-blowing. I remember in 2017, Emojin Hep, Emojin Heap, however you pronounce it, who I think has always been an innovator as well. She's mm-hmm. She's incredible. Uh, she worked with, I think it was called Mycelium. It was kind of just like an experiment, but she released a song and then you, and tokenized every layer, basically every track of the song. And essentially, I think the, I don't know how it turned out, but the idea was that you could buy, uh, you could buy each track, each layer and then use it. And then, you know, essentially some kind of royalty would be sent back. I have no idea how that would work. It sounds super super involved. Yeah, the layers thing is a really interesting thing. I was looking at platforms like Async where you can get sort of artistic visual layers. And I was thinking that that could apply to a track because there's a lot of apps where you can sort of mix and match stems. And um, some of the DJing platforms, I think they have these services where you can do that. You can just download loops kind of right into that. So maybe making everything really modular, making it sort of like credits, making this this kind of decentralized system like that could be a really cool way for things to go yeah yeah like i said 2022 will be really interesting to see where the innovation takes us i had a question well so i bought the the sweat shed sample pack yesterday and that was recorded in the jungles of panama Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is a really, really cool project that I love um, to talk about. Not my project personally, but something I've been lucky enough to be involved in for a few years. And it's called Tribal Gathering. And it's a festival that brings together over 60 indigenous tribes from all over the world right, okay. to share songs and stories and, and knowledge and also to play music. And so after a few years of doing this, they went, wow, we have all this great talent from all over the world. Why not build a studio? And they asked me to come and help with that. And I set something up and it was just, it was a really incredible experience and really only COVID and other stuff has sort of prevented it. And actually there's a Vice documentary about them because they were the, the last festival in the world. Like when uh, the quarantine fell, the Panama military quarantined them in the festival for like a month or something like that. Sweet. So a pretty, a pretty extraordinary festival. And also it's a year, it's a year round charitable project that does some really incredible work bringing clean water and farming systems to communities in need. And the ethos is just really 
pure. So I just definitely, when, when you see it come back, it's amazing. But I did actually make a documentary. Um, you can look at it. It's on my YouTube. Um, the, most of the views are on the Tribal Gathering Facebook page, but it's basically just about starting the studio, all the people I met, the different countries that I recorded. And, and all of that stuff is in the sample pack, which profits do go back to a Geo Paradise, which is the charity. Very cool. Very, very cool. Did you film it yourself? Is it stuff that like you just did on your phone? Um, I had, I did have camera and I had, you know, very, very little to work with though, because we didn't have, we had power, but I actually had to go steal a light bulb from somewhere. And so my camera was really struggling with the darkness and, you know, the jungly and the, everything was dirty and sweaty. So in the end, I think it kind of worked out awesome because it was really just us in the moment filming everything that we had. I would love to go back and expand the project and maybe have a, a couple of real videographers to help me this time. But you know, I think it definitely captures the spontaneity and the excitement of the whole ordeal. That's actually how Pele Network became even a thought is uh, my business partner and I were running a, it, it's a, it was a nonprofit, but it was meant to be able to make media for other nonprofits because mm -hmm. it's so important to document not just what they're trying to offer the world, but even just these local communities that have their own problems, their own plights, and also their own creativity, also their own really cool cultural assets, if we want to talk in crypto terms, but they have really cool stuff to offer the world, but the world doesn't know about them. And I, I was in Jamaica uh, teaching music a few years ago, and I was in the middle of the jungle, and these kids were so talented, it was crazy. But they're just taught that they're just these poor kids from the jungle. Like their programming is just that they're worthless. That's what they get from the news, the media. Uh, mm. And it was like crazy to me because I had them all write songs from second grade to sixth grade. I was like, we're going to write songs together. And some of these kids, like I was blown away. I had to Google some of the lyrics to make sure they weren't stealing them. Right. I couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, they were real. And so then I, I had a little Zoom field recorder and we recorded them. And uh, then I went on Reddit and I found some producers to make some beats and we made a few songs with them. And then a year later, we, we printed them onto a CD and we went and gave it to them and they were like blown away. It was incredible. But what was neat was that it was cool music and it was sung by kids. Like I, you know, I'll still listen to a couple of those tracks because like maybe I'm biased because I have the emotional memory, but some of the tracks are pretty cool. And so I just thought, uh, this is when I started to realize, like, this was 2015. I had learned about Bitcoin in 2014, and it wasn't until 2016 where I learned about Ethereum and smart contracts, and I realized we could actually do application layers to blockchain. So, like, 2014, I was I told other people this. I was too young to really think about how Bitcoin could change the world. I didn't realize how screwed over the world was based on the financial system. So Bitcoin was Bitcoin and money. And I was like, I don't want to deal with money. I'm an artist. I, I was living broke, backpacking, playing music. And uh, then Ethereum came along and I realized with, with smart contracts, we could actually bring some some income into these neighborhoods like I was in in Jamaica. We could actually mm. make work like this and then tokenize it in some way and actually fund it. And along the same lines, the reason I brought it up with you about documenting your experience at in Panama was along the same lines. You know, there's videographers everywhere. There's digital nomads that have cameras. Why not mm. employ them in a fun, loving, community-spirited way to document people like yourselves going out there and doing these really epic community endeavors. So that's actually how this whole project started. And we, you know, once the world calms down, we hope we can bridge back into that, into that mentality and execute it. 
Wow, that's really cool. It's neat to hear that story because it's very similar to the thought that I had as well. I made all these new friends from all over the world and a lot of them, they don't have the same access to these systems. Like maybe they don't speak English and so they're already kind of shut out in one place, but they're super talented. And so I thought of making sample packs with them. But, you know, it's interesting because I didn't think along the lines of, yeah, we could tokenize the support to make that and to produce them and to generate this, this whole mini economy, this little and, DAO. Its and own. it's empowering. Right. It changes the mentality of the youth realizing like, oh, wow, we do have something of value to offer the world. Because, you know, most of the world is just watching MTV or whatever, whatever it is the kids are watching these days. But they're just seeing this this idealized version of, you know, Western first world society with with fake money, basically. And mm -hmm. they just yeah. And they think this is the way to live and that we live wrong. And that's just completely not true. And so I, I see this decentralized revolution really, really empowering these, these, these communities in that way. And I think creativity is a great starting point, making music. So I'm going to play your CryptoWaves Bitcoin video. Uh, and then I want to talk to you about the Orphan Block and CryptoWaves. Sure. So uh, do you want to introduce this video for... Um, yeah, so this is basically the genesis of uh, CryptoWaves, and CryptoWaves is a project which uses entirely cryptocurrency graphs from four currencies that I picked to generate all the sounds that are used in it, whether they're drums, melodics, any kind of sound that you hear is made from images of these wavetables. And so it's just a really concept that turned into a whole story and album. Yeah, and like I was mentioning before the show... Um, Compared to, you know, I haven't listened to your whole discography yet. I'll get there. But compared to some of your other works, it's pretty heavy. It's an intense album. And I feel like it really captures the, <laughs> captures the momentum. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you put these like drastic spikes into a synth. You know, it really does replicate the, the drama of the peaks and the valleys. Oh, interesting. The volatility. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Good way of looking at it. Okay. Here's the CryptoWaves Bitcoin synth. Hey, Alicia here, sound architect and creator of CryptoWaves, a project that turns cryptocurrency graphs into sounds. Today, I wanted to answer the question, what does Bitcoin sound like? I took the graphs from TradingView and rendered them into a more usable PNG file that had its ups and downs, just like Bitcoin did. This made such a super cool variety of sounds, and here's a few of them that I wanted to show you. I made this lead synth using only a Bitcoin being FM'd to a sine wave. Here's a preset I call Hard Fork. Here is a Bitcoin mixed with Doge to make a string patch. super cool. So uh, when is this being released? So this is being released gradually. I mean, part of it, um, it's actually been sort of 
dual minted. Uh, you can get the EP on OpenSea, but for the singles, I minted them on Catalog, which is, as far as I know, the only audio-only NFT marketplace, almost like a one-off vinyl store. Uh, and I released the first single on that, and that one has been sold. Um, the second single, Genesis Block, is also up there right now. That one is still open for offers. And then just gradually, I think now that summer is over, I can release the other two tracks. But the deal with the NFTs is that they are only coming out on Audius exclusively other than the NFT for the near future. So it's a very private you know, listening experience. And a lot of people, if they didn't come to see the original show, uh, have not really heard the other half of the EP yet. So hang on, you're selling the tracks as NFTs? The tracks themselves, the original high quality file is our, our NFTs on catalog. And then I also have NFTs of sort of original short animation. I also have ones that are just mini compositions made from single currencies. So there's a little sort of animated uh, GIF. Um, and I worked with a digital painter to illustrate each chapter and made a little composition from each chapter. So the first one is made entirely of Bitcoin. The second one is Ethereum. The third is Uniswap. And the fourth is, is Doge. And are those the ones I saw on OpenSea? Yeah, so they have there. There's more just like this, the flashing uh, GIF files, and then there's also these longer kind of exclusive animation shorts, which are all sort of uh, content that was cut from the video, which is also going to be the next NFT that is not out, the 4K music video, and that one was pretty involved. Uh, I had an animator create an entire Unreal universe of the orphan block and the whole story I created. And he's quite good. He's done some work on things like the Bryson Tiller and weekend and all the virtual world stuff. So I had a lot cool. of fun just creating a crypto space portal with them. Super cool. Yeah. I really like how you get into the character and you, you embody the the story and the, the music itself. That's really neat. So I need to wrap my head around this. Uh, are these NFTs one of a kind, the tracks or are they unlimited? Um, they're just, they're just one-offs. Yeah. So essentially, you know, you, you're not able to buy it on any of the platforms. You're not, you're only able to stream it on Audius. So this is just the original high quality file that is, you know, coming from my wallet from me. And that's sort of how catalog works. They're just one-off prints that come directly from the artist. And that's just sort of their model is just interacting with the collector. And like I said, it kind of reminds me of a record store. It's very like a vinyl exclusive type of thing. Okay. Sorry. I'm still trying to just wrap my head around it. So the uh, Audius catalog is different than Audius or catalog is Audius is a streaming platform. So it's more like SoundCloud. So you can go there to listen in high quality, but it is the only platform that I have released these songs on. So the person holding the NFT for you know, not maybe not forever, but for a while is going to be like kind of the only person with that has those files. And also they are, you know, digitally signed by me. And I don't know if I ever w really will release them for sale. I think that is the specialness of the NFT is maybe later on, you'll be able to stream them on Spotify, but for now only on Audius and probably never buy them except for that owner. But I don't need the NFT to listen to it, to stream it. No, okay. no, you can listen to it streaming. And so then owning the NFT is a collector's thing, a form of support for the artist. And it's not like a, something crossed my, remember, was it called Beatport? Where you mm -hmm. find these high quality tracks for your DJ sets and you just buy them. I thought about that. Like, I wonder if you just would make NFTs for these high quality tracks. So anyone that needs these tracks can just download them and have the rights. 
Yeah. And I think at that point, it just becomes a digital file. And, you know, that's always this big debate between me and a lot of my friends who still can't wrap their heads around NFTs in general. <laughs> They're like, but, but, but why would somebody buy your song? You can already stream it into this and that. And I think the important point, I guess, would be that um, the music industry, I think in particular, has really been devalued as years have gone on, you know, like artists just like, oh, let me give you, let me give you a Spotify play on a playlist. And, you know, at the other end, I might get like 0.0000003 cents for it. So as you said, in a sense, it's a show of support for an artist. And it's kind of also like, I, I compare it to buying an original painting that's signed by the artist versus a print. Anyone can buy the prints, but only one person gets to have the original. And in this case, because, you know, you cannot fake this and this is my wallet, you're always going to say like, this is something that comes from Alicia. And and I do have other levels of NFTs. There's kind of for people who want different things. And there's a few that I put on auction sometimes for creating a custom currency song. So if you have a particular token or protocol that you're a big fan of, you can give me the chart and I will make a song. And I do have one in the pipeline for, you know, big shouts out to Tyler, who is a super awesome fan and collector. And he has commissioned a chain link song. And part of Crypto Waves is also about education in a fun way. So I think probably that Chainlink song will come with me discussing decentralized oracles a bit and treat streaming and chatting on that. So in a sense, it's like the NFTs are all sort of supporting this project, which hopefully is giving something back to my community because I'm, you know, everything is sort of open. I, I gave away all the little wavetables. I show people how to make them and it, it's all a process that you can participate in. So in a sense, yeah, your, your purchase of any of my NFTs is really like a supportive donation that gives you a little perk that is original and a little bit of a digital collector's item. So if Pele Network, if our community voted to commission you to make a Zillica song, you could, you'd do that and then we could... Hype up an NFT auction. Absolutely, and you can totally you can tell me kind of like how you want the song to be in general. Like I'm I'm not going to do like acoustic country or anything, but I'll do that can... one. My album, <laughs> sweet, sweet, yeah. So, and I mean, like the one I'm doing for Tyler is is going to be uh, like based off a kind of a video game theme that he really likes in a certain style that he likes. So he kind of gets to give me the ingredients, and I cook with it for him. And oh, you know, that'd be so that. much fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think NFTs too have the potential to be just like one-off experiences yeah, and yeah. You, know, you, you get a digital souvenir of something that happened that was really special. And I think once again, 2022, I think is going to show this and it's kind of where we're putting our, our ducks, our eggs in the basket. I forget the saying, but we're working on a reputation system mediated by badges that are, they're like non-transferable NFTs. So your profile, your wallet earns them for things that you do contribute to the to the community, to the smart contract. And then that's there forever. And I think this is something the NFT space is really demonstrating that, yeah, I want to be able to prove that I supported Alicia in, in the Crypto Waves launch and I bought that NFT. And some people are like, well, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, why would you buy a piece of art? You know, mm -hmm. uh, why? Yeah. And, it you know, art collecting has been something limited to essentially the wealthy for a long time. It's a way to store, to store value. And uh, I suppose there's, there's people out there that genuinely appreciate the art too. No, and, and I think the thing too that's also important is, is digital art in general has always had difficulty finding that sort of value because, you know, like, oh, it's just a JPEG. Like, <laughs> even though, yeah, like somebody did 
paint it digitally. Somebody did create the concept and make the art. And, you know, we shouldn't have to print something out and get it framed for it to be a value. And with music, you know, I know it's my thing, so maybe I'm biased, but I think it's it's ephemeral nature. Like not only is it a digital storage format, but when it's not being played, it's like you don't you can't really sit there and statically like look at music. You have to play the song and it only exists in the dimension of time where it is. Mm. So not to get mm. too yeah. like Neil deGrasse Tyson over here, but it, it's just like it, it it's really well it's really let, ephemeral. I'll take I'll take your ephemeral experience of time and I'll raise you uh, sound is the most like penetrating vibration in the universe. You know, remove all other sound, remove all other senses and sound will always exist. Like, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. And, you know, we don't have to go into that, but it's, it's trippy. <laughs> sound is really powerful. I think that's why music can be so healing and well, powerful. It's, it's important. We all love music. Who doesn't love music? If you don't like something, you can find something else. There's, there's music everywhere. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, one thing I wanted to say, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier. I, so I think there's, I'm curious if you've shared the same process. Uh, we all, we are, we're artists and we started with like, man, it's so hard to, you know, get our foot in the door and, you know, not even make it big, but just like get sustainable doing what we love. Right. Uh, how do I do that? Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, for me, and I remember interviewing Closey, Close uh, mm-hmm. on Gravitas. And she was saying, look, I grew up with, LimeWire and Kazaa and Napster. I got all, I want everyone to have my music for free. You know, it's music. It's meant to make, bring joy to people, you know? And, and uh, I went through the same thing, right? Where I start, we started this nonprofit to make videos and I wasn't paid. And I was just like, these stories need to be told. And I love making videos. So I'm not going to stress about making it my, my freaking uh, livelihood because my, this is where my heart is, right? This is what needs to be done. But now, like it's it's like this this wave, right? Now I'm seeing and feeling and executing that with with decentralized protocols like cryptocurrencies with NFTs, we can kind of bring those two together in a way where it's like we can still offer this joy to the world, we can still offer this art, and there will be the benefactors out there that will make it worth worth the while for us and for the rest of the community that gets like I can go listen to your songs on Audius for free yet you still get supported by those NFT purchasers. Absolutely. And if you take a look, the neat thing about Audius and, you know, besides being built on the blockchain, uh, they're on Solana, actually, I believe they have a integrated NFT tab like for their silver level, like people who have been using it a lot. So people can actually go to my account, listen to my music and then flip tabs and look at the NFTs that I own and when's they're available. So it's almost like a little digital merch integration. Super cool. So. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we're talking about NFTs. Let's make a special announcement right now. So we, I, I'm going to bring us over to this new tab. Oh, audio, audio here. Okay, great. So uh, um, we have some, uh, we have some NFTs for auction, <laughs> based on uh, crypto waves. We have four characters. Or do they have names or they're all the orphan block? They're all the orphan block. I mean, she's she's actually got a, a secret name, which she's kind of discovering. So I haven't gotten that far. That's going to be a next mm-hmm. volume. But the orphan block is, is her name for now. But it's just four stages of sort of self-actualization uh, that she goes through. It's kind of like a hero's journey sort of story arc. Cool. So we've made, uh, basically, we're bringing crossover characters into the Peleverse. 
which is the science fiction cartoon uh, brought to you by the Pele Network. And all our characters are basically NFTs that you can insert into the cartoon. All episodes and scenes will be kind of crowdsourced, community powered, um, funded by the community, created by the community, inspired by the community. And so we have these special NFTs now that we've made with Alicia. And uh, so this Streamlabs OBS has this little uh, spin wheel feature that I've never used. Uh, <laughs> but I thought we would start the, the auction prices here uh, based on whatever shows up. So we got 2,000 zil, 3,000, 4,000, and 5,000. And uh, yeah, so I'm gonna just click it and then we'll see what the starting price will be. Uh, drum roll, please. Can you do a drum roll? Do you have anything on your... <laughs> While I figure um, out how to make this spin wheel work? <laughs> um, Let's I don't see. know if my audio goes through the, the thing. We uh, definitely didn't. Oh, we didn't set that up, right? It's just through the <laughs> mic. <laughs> yeah, so I have no idea how to do it. Have you ever used the spin wheel on uh, Livestream OBS? I have not. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just saw it as like a widget or so. Oh, interact. Okay, I don't know if it's uh no. Well it looks cool anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, so we will be uh releasing these NFTs and they will be characters that can be inserted into the Peleverse cartoon, which will be kinda cool. And this is something we're still figuring out, and your input would be you know, valued since they're your characters. But we were thinking, you know, if you have these characters, well, depending on the character, you might be able to play the voice for this character in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Or sure. you can, you know, essentially it'll be a DAO, like every episode would be kind of like a little DAO. So anyone contributing with their NFTs would have a say in the direction of, of, of the animation. But I thought for a cartoon, what else could we offer uh, as far as participation besides voice? Well, I mean, maybe sound effects, being that CryptoWaves is such a sound-based project, sound samples, all, all those things, little bonuses, different levels of that would be, I think, really cool. So Any, Anything Sonic is sort of my universe. <laughs> so we'll make these NFTs include sound effects for the Peleverse. Yeah, I mean, why not? I, that's that'll be that's something that every animation needs. If you ever mm -hmm. watched a movie without score, you'll see how uh, how different it is. And yeah, I used to I used to work on the post production world doing music and, and sound effects for TV, and it, it can really really change a piece. So. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. I mean, they say uh, you know audio is more important than your video. If you're gonna sometimes, yeah, sometimes the wrong audio can just like ruin everything. Yeah, or the wrong equipment. You know, if mm -hmm. you have, you don't have a good mic or something, but you have stellar video quality, no one's going to watch your video. Exactly. Um, the sound brings it alive. Well, cool. Um, man, I feel like as we talk, there's all these topics I want to bring up, but then there's a lull in the conversation. I'm like, well, what's next? <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear more about your travels and recording. So the Panama sweat, sweat shed, you bring everyone in there. You work with yeah. the tribal gathering. Are there other places in the world you've done similar activities? Well, I I just love meeting people and making music. That's kind of always been a thing. And, you know, it started when I was very, very young and I was a nerd sitting on, you know, the internet and the pre-internet in chat rooms. And from an early age, I used to just meet 
producers from different countries and just like messenger them and we would make music together. And there's been some really beautiful like stories that are now kind of over a decade of me knowing people from places from Chile to Slovakia and having a musical relationship with them, you know, collaborating, releasing stuff and not meeting them until years later and just having it come full circle. So I've always kind of been addicted to that ability of music to not just connect people to you, but like you to other people who create, you know, just like in the spirit of collaboration. So um, I've actually just um, recently was back in Denver at my studio and met another producer on Audius called Sofa Sound. And just, we just loved each other's music so much. It was like, hey, you want to come and create and make an EP? And we just met in my studio and, you know, I flew in from Spain and he flew in from Florida and we just cranked out a bunch of ideas and that was it. So it hasn't really been anywhere exotic since then because that was one of the last things I was able to do before I moved to Spain and then COVID was shortly after that. But I've also just worked with so many different source materials. Um, after the sweatshed, I also worked on this project called The Outlaw Ocean, which is part of a book written by Ian Urbina, who's a writer who went on the high seas for about five years to just investigate. He's an investigatory journalist and he writes for the New York Times. He writes for National Geographic. And he just went and wrote a book about, you know, piracy, environmentalism, all kinds of crimes that happen in the ocean and took field recordings and had a videographer and gave this material to me and quite a lot of other artists to make albums from. So I sort of stitched together everything from sonar to ships creaking to people screaming on the ocean and like just wove that into sort of a sound tapestry, which is kind of my favorite thing to do. You know, I also love to make sample packs when I travel. Um, so I have a series that's sort of meant to do that for free, just little, hey, I'm going to Hawaii. Let me hit some lava rocks and get some goats and put that out there. And definitely integrating natural sounds is a huge passion of mine. So actually, that is why Crypto Waves was, it was one of the hardest things I had to do because I was doing it really fast. It was sort of an idea. And we went, well, we have to work in crypto time. So like it has to come out now. Like I have to do this before someone else does. And surely enough, right after I did this, there was like people transcribing classical notation scores into other <laughs> digital things. So I was like racing to do it. But it was also hard for me because I'm so used to integrating the organic. I'm used to just noise from this and that and water drops. And here I was just taking like not even an actual sound wave and making something out of it, but an image of people's fear and greed. And Ooh. right. So that, that was sort of what got me going. Cause I was learning about crypto. I was looking at it and went, you know, this isn't just a line. This is representative of people manipulating each other and like the world changing and technology evolving and, you know, kind of got all metaphysical about it and thought, wow, what if I, what if I build a sonic universe out of that? And then I started learning about DeFi and learning all these, you know, all these space words. Crypto is full of space words, right? Interplanetary file systems, atomic swaps, <laughs> eclipse attacks. And I was just like, this sounds like I'm like just an alien that's flying through this crazy universe and discovering new planets. And that's how the orphan block was born. You know, I was just thinking, what if this digital avatar, this girl was born inside the blockchain, not really knowing who she was and just had to find out by experiencing all the things that we take for granted as humans, you know, like exploration, hedonism, fear, and mental like, trapping of oneself. And I just, I found a lot of poetry in all these, these protocols and it just, it became a game to go, all right, you are limited to this as your sound source and these words as your lyrics. 
how do you make a story happen from that? So I hope to continue and just kind of expand. Um, for this project, I had to funnel everything through one synth called Serum because that's the only sort of high-grade synth that you can just drop a picture in and have it generate a wavetable. So it sort of it made it possible. And then I would work with other plugins and other software after that. But recently, I've been working with my friend Ben Cantil, who was a former professor at Berkeley and is now doing um, some sort of sound design tech like PhD, and he helped me develop this little patch, which you can just feed in graphs from Excel. You know, you can gather, you can scrape the data, and then you can pipe that into this plugin, and it will generate a pure wave drawing, not based on an image, but actually based on the data points, like drawing a chart. So that's going to be my next adventure is, is experimenting with really precise data turned into wavetables directly. Do you ever sleep? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> it's really interesting. You know, the legend has it, Satoshi Nakamoto basically implemented FOMO and greed into the protocol of Bitcoin. That was the, that was, that was the, that's the, been the motivating factor for how Bitcoin has grown, how it is, is people getting scared to miss out and the natural greed we have as humans. And it's fascinating because even now as more of the wealth, the banking system kind of buys into Bitcoin. It's also buying into the end of that system. And in a lot of instances, unknowingly. Right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, you just, it was beautiful what you're saying. And I really appreciate how you didn't just come up with crypto waves as a way to capitalize on, on a market, but rather it's something that really is a fascinating topic to explore artistically through your art. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say a lot of it was inspired by the whole concept because it blew my mind that there might be somebody who was a big fan or a supporter that would be willing to actually like pay me maybe close to what it was worth for me to dive in into a project like this. Cause I'm just used to, you know, I agree with Closey. Like, of course I want people to have my music for free, but there has to be some way for me to eat underneath that. And so I'm always open to new ways of doing that. But the problem with things like Spotify and, you know, the, the payout system is not great. It kind of just gives everything to the big artists. And so the concept of going, hey, I need to make this project not to appeal to the most people and get on the most playlist to try and get a few more cents, but to do actually whatever I want, because who I'm looking for is this collector who appreciates me and my uniqueness. And so that was fun because instead of like, oh, we you know, I love being a festival DJ, but you're a little bit yanked around by like, what are people going to dance to at 3 a.m.? What are they like in this city? You know, and it's just if in the spirit of DJing, you you aren't just the, the original DJing. DJing now is this like Jesus on the cross adulation. Let's count to four. Worship me stuff. I don't like that at all. But DJing originally was about humbling yourself to read the crowd and to interact with them, to take them on a journey. And so, I mean, that's sort of where I'm going with, with this is like bringing people on journeys and not just catering to, I don't want to say the lowest common denominator because I think that's just so mean, but you know, just, just everybody catering to yourself and your creative spirit. You and know, what I, was, wants to do. I was at a Buku Fest in New Orleans a few years back and it was my first foray into what I call Coachella culture. Uh, because most of the musical festivals I've ever been to are, you know, Eastern Europe, Psytrance, like completely different experience, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting. Someone was telling me how these festivals work these days is, you know, it takes like three years for the investors to make their money back. But there's basically a set formula now for all these whatever millennial youth that 
Jesus on the cross, you know, DJs that they're just like these, it's, you go into the audience and it's just disconnected dancers on their own drugs and their own personal experience. You know, rave culture started, you know, where everyone's doing this together, right? Everyone's, everyone's together in these like secret clandestine meetings, right? And then the DJ is providing that music as part of it, but not as this, like you said, this Jesus character, this, um, this, this hero that is doing it all. And so anyway, yeah, it's, it's good to speak to that. I've actually thought of that a lot in recent years and, you know, I'll still continue going to my side trance festivals and I don't think there'll ever be a real issue there, but, uh, you know, in general, it would be really encouraging to see the culture kind of evolve into something that's more collectively oriented in that sense. Yeah. And I think we're going there, you know, I think there's been a lot of stuff in the media about mental health and burnout and how people are tired of just competing and in this narrow sector. And, you know, we, we have lost that whole like collective support thing because of influencers of this and that, and like, who's the most viral. So that is definitely always built into everything I do. You know, all the other projects I do involve collectives, involve community and some kind of system where, you know, you're not just watching me. And it's like, I don't have, for instance, I don't have my own discord server. I have the EDM production server, which I am the mom of, because I would rather create a place where people can connect and learn and teach each other than a place that's about me. And I think that as an artist, we kind of have this social, this opportunity for social responsibility. We don't have the responsibility, but we can take that on to be better models for a system of community and caring instead of just a step on you, you know, before you step on me first type of thing. Here, here. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation and super inspiring. Yeah. No, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, no joke. Uh, I'm pretty sure we would love to commission you to do a fun song with Zilliqa and, uh, we can talk details, uh, later, but, and same with the sample set and we want to support you support each other. I think this is what this is all about. Uh, you know, we released the idea for Pele network uh, a couple months ago and the response has been insane because we've had this vision to work on something that can help transform the media into being something less about profit generation and more about, hey, let's actually share real stories. Let's actually see what's going on in the world, like authentically from, from real human beings. And, you know, it's something I've really believed in for a long time, but haven't had the resources to, you know, see it scale or really do anything with it. But the community response, all I did was release the idea. And the community response has been insane. And our Telegram community has been super supportive and everyone wants to see this grow. Everyone believes in the vision. And it's a lot, we're in, yeah, I agree. We're in this new chapter now where maybe it's mental health issues. Maybe it's just, it's time. People are ready to work together again. People are ready to be in community, become more tribal, stop depending on these centralized state actors, these institutions that claim they know what's best for us. Like everyone's just over it. And it's great that we have these, these potentials, these systems, these potential systems that we can land on and thrive together. So agreed. Yeah. Thanks, Alicia. I'm going to play off with, uh, I'm actually going to play two songs. I have an ending thing and I think it's actually a sweatshed song that is loaded on there, but we're going to close out with, I think it's a eclipse attack. By the way, where does eclipse attack come from? The name. Ecl 
Eclipse attack is a is a hacker thing where actually you think that you're sending out data and you're making all your transactions, but the hacker has actually put you in sort of like a digital box, like a like a, you're a prison. So you're sending out, you're trying to make your transactions, and the hacker is like taking all that data and capturing it. So in the story, it's like that point where we all get to where we're trapped in our own limitations and our own mind. And so in that chapter, it was actually it was funny because it was Uniswap that I made it out of, and Uniswap it turns out makes the gnarliest base. And like, it's just, I think um, when you think about volatility, Uniswap is kind of consistent. Like it sort of goes up and down and it's kind of bumpy, but it doesn't do these huge moves. So that's just like the best I can describe it is this round kind of dirty mm-hmm. sound to it, which was great for yeah. base. And, the, and it was great for the concept of an eclipse attack because I was just thinking of, wow, people just putting themselves through all this agony and not even realizing that they're in prison and their thoughts are just like ricocheting around their own head and they're not even getting out into the universe that they're so worried about. I love hearing how deep all this is. I mean, I guess I just don't talk to artists enough anymore, but it's cool. Like I listen to a lot of electronic music, probably mostly electronic music, but I very rarely get to hear the insights from the creators. So thank you. Thank you for enlightening us, Alicia. No worries. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Oh, man.